Into sports. 20 yards out. Urs to shoot. Don't oh, and get into the all-new OTB Sports app. I think when he apologises to me, I probably will say hello to him, yeah. No. Videos, sports news, live scores, interviews. If Fabregas is going to come up to me in the street and give me some of a mouth that he would have given me on a football pitch, what do we get a slap? Plus exclusive content on the OTB Podcast Network. The biggest names in sports. Ready when you are. Search OTB Sports on your app store and download it now. The OTB Podcast Network. With Green Farm on the go. Snack smart with 100% natural protein-powered chicken bites. I'm a very confident front runner for Caddy for 33 years, 145 wins now, and that's the best win I've ever had. I have no idea what you have. I don't know. Mama, how are we going to count all the shots? I, I, I can't keep track. I don't think he's pleased. Of course you would. That's a, that's a particularly stupid question. If they are, show up. Of course you want to play at the weekend. Okay, folks, we are up and running. It's another Golf Weekly. Lots happening. Torrey Pines week is underway. Abu Dhabi last week to be discussed. And we will get around this week to giving some thoughts on the HBO Tiger Woods documentary as well. Not quite a full house. A very 2020 slash 2021 problem. Nathan Murphy's Wi-Fi has gone belly up. So he said, carry on without me. If it sorts itself out, I will join in. Peter Laurie of Spawell. The Wi-Fi always good in Spawell. Peter, hello. Well, you couldn't make that up, could you? Uh, yeah. No. Your Wi-Fi went there. Did it? Just yeah. just as I come on. So yeah, it's uh, Wi-Fi is difficult all over the place. I'm having terrible trouble at home. So I come into work to come on to to Golf Weekly, and it, it, it fails me here as well. And did you even hear me say Peter Laurie at Spowell, where the Wi-Fi is always good? I literally said that as yeah, your Wi-Fi went. Yeah, yeah, I got that one all right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Fionn Davenport, hello to you. How's it going, Joe? I've got that good, that good, strong English Wi-Fi. Hey, listen, it's a well-run Wi-Fi part yeah. of the world you're in. Yeah, Very none of your European interference here, you know. Hmm. A few tweets in. Lot to get through this week. Lot to get through. We will do the Tiger Woods discussion this week because Fionn has watched uh, both parts. As have I. And Peter gave up on it, which is interesting in itself. And later on today, actually. I'll be talking to Armin Ktayen, one of the authors of the book and one of the executive directors of the documentary. We're going to uh, put that out in the next while. So uh, I'm curious to see what everybody made of it. Uh, Prey got us on Twitter saying, hey, gents, big fan of the pod. Just wondering where you watch the Tiger documentary. Well, <laughs> well, <laughs> look, Prey, <laughs> you just got to do what you got to do. Documents. What? It was on Sky um, last week. Yes, oh. it was. Oh, sorry. It was on yeah. Sky, Prey. Yeah, yeah. On Sky yeah. not on any kind of illicit stream. Mm. Peter, your Wi-Fi is extra dodgy, so I would suggest you turn off your picture if that's okay. That's happy days. Okay. Len Dowling in touch, and he screen grabbed an interesting stat. He said, amateur golfers, be realistic. So uh, for the 2020 season, the PGA Tour average proximity from 100 to 125 yards. You know, 100 to 125 yards fun. If you're an average um, proximity from the hole was? 
Oh, but I know one other stat. So I'm going to say 75%, 80%. No, in terms of how far away were they from the hole from 100 to 125 oh, yards sorry. away? Oh, um, sorry. 15 feet. 19 feet. Okay. Yeah. So the next time from 100 yards, you land it to 19 feet and you're playing off 14 and you're disgusted with yourself. Chill out. Chill out and get a grip. I remember when I first started playing golf and I went to see this guy, Vince, who's a, a teaching pro, and he put a seven iron in my hand and he asked me, how close did I expect to hit a seven iron to the flag and I said 15 feet and he burst out laughing and he goes honestly if you get it within 50 feet like five times out of ten you're doing okay yeah and I was like oh <laughs> there, there is a caveat there though guys that um, amateurs are not very good at measuring okay so I, I should leave it at that so your 15 feet mightn't be quite uh, Fifteen feet, it, it, Peter. So when, the, when when you miss when you miss a short post, it, it, you know it's oh that was a tricky two and a half footer when really it was a foot and a half, yeah. or when you hit a really good shot, it was into it, you know I stitched it and it's fifteen feet away. So it, it's a bit like um, I started, you know, the, uh, those golf game tags that you put on your clubs just to just to get a greater sense of accuracy and distance. So. It's a classic thing of when you play with your mates and, and you have that conversation of how far you drive the ball. And oftentimes, and I'm sure I've done the exact same myself, but you go, yeah, probably on average, I don't know, like 250 off the tee. And when you actually measure it, it's like my actual distance of like a well-struck drive is 238 mm. off the tee. Yeah. Mm. And now no, I've hit it further than that. But on average, like, yeah, if I hit my drive 238 off the tee, that feels like, yep, that was a good drive. Not like 260. On a regular basis, people come into the driving range and after they've finished, they'll come in and ask, are, are those yardages in meters or yards? <laughs> and I'd go, yards. Feet. Say feet, Peter. Oh, I Always can't believe feet. I don't hit it that far. Yeah. You, you, yeah. So one very good thing is to know, like any player, and I would always recommend this, is to know actually how far you do hit the ball and, Peter, and stick to that. Peter, is there any truth to the old, um, well, I don't know if it's true or not, but I used to always, that in driving ranges, they bring, say, the 250-yard marker in so it deludes players to think, oh, my God, I'm absolutely <laughs> monstering this. no. No, well, we don't try it. Mo mo in most driving ranges, the golf balls are are um, about ninety percent compression, so you you do you do have that kind of ten percent that you're losing out on. You should adjust the yardages to account for the balls, then. Yeah. Yeah, but then if you do that, and they come along with their uh, Bushnell or or laser of of some shape or form, and tell you that the yardages are then wrong, then what do you say? You say it's to account for the balls. Yeah, 90% right. compression. I think you should do that because actually that makes a lot of sense. A lot of practice with my wedges and then sometimes the yardages aren't what they were at the range. Now I understand. Interesting. So 90% of an actual golf ball is what I'm hitting at the range. Majority of times, yeah. You're 10%. Interesting. Interesting. By the way, if you're wondering, from eight feet, PGA Tour player will make that put 50% of the time. 
So again, go easy on yourselves out there, everyone. Is, is there not a stat as well, part of that same grouping, that from 200 yards, pros hit the green 50% of the time? 40, I, say, I think it's 51% or 49%. Yes, that would sound about right, Peter, wouldn't it? It is for me. <laughs> Dermot McCarthy was in touch. Lads, what about, he suggests, an uninterrupted 10-minute golf nerd slot. And already I was thinking, Dermot, I'm into this. Keep going. Every week, oh, where Peter, that was where I started to wonder, where Peter looks at someone's swing, reviews golf instructional videos or golf me- mechanics. Hashtag more Lowry is what he wants. Uh, Dermot, that won't be happening. <laughs> well, is he looking for more Shane Lowry or Peter Lowry? Laurie, sorry. I said more. I, I went more with Larry there. More Laurie. More Peter he wants. More yeah. Peter. Um, and I guess we could do that. I just don't know the technology. I mean, we can't even get Nathan on Wi-Fi. I'm not sure how we would uh, do it is the primary problem. I think you looking at swings would be kind of cool for sure and doing some analysis. But um, I just don't know. Unless you've got some Sky Sports uh, set up there in your uh, back room, Peter. Um, no, but look, we'll, we'll give it a thought and, and see what we can figure out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, it, we, I mean, we could do it whereby the listener gets to send it in and they know what their swing looks like. And so they can they can uh, understand your advice, but it's almost the other 99%. That might be tricky. We'll give it some thought. We'll give it some thought. I think instruction sections can be good when they're interesting. Uh, James O'Rourke lads, the Justin Thomas story blown way out of proportion. Agree with Fionn. Won't be remembered in the next month, let alone at the end of his career. Uh, there was no malicious intent. It bubbled up from his subconscious can we go deep, though, on Rory on this week's pod and the Tiger documentary? Mm. Can, can I just say one thing about both those things? Uh, yes to the second part. But it seems like, oh, did you see the latest, the Citigroup, which is one of Justin's primary sponsors? Did you see their big mega statement this week? Right. So this uh, beating of the breast, tearing at their conscience, but they've reluctantly and with great... Um, problems among some people, some colleagues, they've decided, no, they're going to stick with Justin. And um, we decided to use this moment to work with Justin to try to create change. and it's a really long blog post. It's like, I don't know, seven or eight paragraphs long. And it's a really short way of saying this is that even though loads of people are kind of saying, no, 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 you should cut ties. We've decided not to cut ties with Justin Thomas. And uh, but, you know, they make they make it very clear that they absolutely disavow the use of the word. And it's a terrible word. Nobody should ever use it. And I'm guessing that Fairy Tale of New York does not make a presence at their annual Christmas party. Or if it does, it's only the version by Ronan Keating or latterly by John Bon Jovi. Um, damned if you do, damned if you don't. We'd criticize them either way. No, no. But the thing is about it. The thing is, is that like it's here here. It's the statement reads as in like we want to play both sides of the and, and of course you do. You know, you want to keep the sponsorship deal alive if it's going to generate money. Um, I mean, this is, after all, Citigroup, who in, was it 2001, two helped Enron hide some of their trades? <laughs> like, you know, I mean, um, their hands aren't entirely clean and mm. uh, completely devoted to the good things. But um, so they wanted to play both sides of the, the so, you know, this is our firm's commitment to the LGBTQ plus community. Absolutely. I'm not denying that they do. Um, but it was one of those, it's like, 
I don't know. I, I just think it, it's so self-serving. That's the thing. The whole thing is self-serving. Mm. And so by going, oh, you know, oh, I mean, we, it, 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 smacks of, it smacks of Augusta National chastising Tiger Woods for indiscretions. And it's just like, yeah, you hypocritical sacks of so-and-so, you know. But anyway, anyway. And so it on it goes. Mm. Brian Egan, I can't wait, he says, for the podcast next week. I want a two-hour Rory McIlroy special. Oh. Ian Kane says, uh, Peter's just going to blame the caddy again. And Brian Hegarty uh, says, strange question for Peter. Do you have a dog? While talking about Butch Harmon last week, I was sure I could hear a dog being petted. I'm not sure. I, I think that's uh, no. to be taken literally. It- I, I tell you what happened there. I didn't want to go on Twitter and keep on at it. I had brought the, I'd washed the dog. I'd come in to do the podcast. Uh-huh. He was sitting down and then decided he was going to dry himself on the carpet. Okay. So he rolls around on the carpet making this ridiculous noise while I'm talking about Butch Harmon. And I'm trying to throw something at him to stop him. <laughs> um, but anyway, he made this ridiculous noise. And his name is Ted. So there you go. Ted. Well spotted, Brian Hergerty. I didn't spot that at all. Neither so did I. You're not but going the mad. The listener's way more acute than we are. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So let's. Cr- you, you guys don't listen to me. That's just Peter. Problem. Shush, Peter. I'm moving on. Shush. <laughs> uh, oh, how true that was. How true that is. <laughs> So, look, a few things to get through. Can I give an honourable mention for the Corda family before we get into some other bits and bobs? Uh, Lots of you would have been watching this over the weekend, the LPGA Tour Tournament of Champions. Mouthful. Uh, Jessica Corda uh, beat Danielle Kang in a playoff. Her younger sister, Nelly, finished third. So Jessica's 27, Nelly is 25. This was in Orlando. That's her sixth LPGA title, her first in nearly three years. She had a 60, by the way, on Saturday. It was some good golf, uh, fifth in history on the uh, tour. And lots of celebrities were playing with the female players as well. It worked okay. Wouldn't have said there was a great selection of players shown, but they showed lots of the quarters. They showed lots of Danielle Kang, who, by the way, Danielle Kang, very stylish. Love her attire. Very cool. Think she looks great on the golf course. I really like it. But um, the quarters... Man, these are a talented bunch. So you've got the two sisters, Jessica and Nelly, tearing it up on tour. Uh, Dad, Peter, won the Australian Open in tennis. Thank you very much. So he's a Grand Slam winner in tennis, Peter Corda. And their son, Seb, Sebastian, uh, just won the junior title at the Australian Open two decades after his father's win. So that is the Corda family, everybody. Uh, Super successful. That's that's a weird level of accomplishment, isn't it, to bring home? Yeah, it's you really, on today and really like, eh. unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. How did you go, Jessica? Uh, finished first, Nelly third, got to do better. Seb won the Australian Open, good. Yeah. Dear, <laughs> 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 oh dear. Something to throw to you before we get into the, the main event. I was watching uh, Golf Central, which is Golf Channel's new tournament. Uh, Shane Bacon is now host on the show. And they were talking about Jordan Spieth, 91st in the world, now working with Butch. And Shane Bacon was making the point on feature groups. He said, I don't want Spieth in the feature group, especially while he's struggling. Like, let's just give him some time, let him sort it out on his own. And I don't want to see the horror. And then when he's back to himself, then 
we uh, get him back into the feature groups. I, uh, the others didn't really agree, actually, and I don't either. But I kind of thought it was an interesting point. What do we want from our feature groups? I want the most interesting, uh, famous players. Tiger Woods, obviously, if he's playing, has to be in there. I want Jordan Spieth. I think increasingly, well, one, because we're just interested in Spieth and he's a big name and he's a motive on the golf course and he's never dull as a player to watch. But actually, like this notion that we don't want to see the struggle when they're at a low point, I thought, I mean... I absolutely want to see that. It's gripping in its own way, Peter. I know as a professional, maybe you wouldn't want to be in the feature group, but I want that from the feature groups. Uh, I actually think he's he's far better off in the feature group. Um, I think if he drops out of the feature group, he will be more self-conscious than he probably already is. I said, at, at least he can see where his game has to get to playing with better players. The better the player you play with, the better you get, simple as. Um, And the more he can stay in there um, and stay relevant, he he will come back. Um, I... Look, I, I was probably the first one to come out here and say about Jordan Spieth and his swing and bloody, bloody bad his putting. But I, I do think he can come back from all of this. I, I just think the road that he's on needs to change. And, and that was a year ago. He needed to take some time out, time away from us, get his game back to some shape or, or get his mind back to some way of thinking positively on the golf course. Because when he stops playing or probably when he plays in practice rounds, he he could be playing absolutely wonderful golf. And then when he gets on to the first tee, he, he, he's struggling because he, he's not being himself. Mm. So he has to go back to being Jordan Spieth. He has to go back to the funky swing. Working with Butch Harmon is, is not going to solve, uh, you know, it, it, it might fix his idiosyncrasies in his golf swing, but it, it, he will, he's always going to have that. You know, some of the best players in the world have that um, and still manage to get their game in, in tip-top shape when they need it to be. Jordan Spieth's game was based around his short game. Um, and his ability to pull off shots, his he had grit, he had a uh, desire. And that has all been lost. But to, for somebody to come out and uh, uh, Shane to come out and say, you know, we should put him in the back of the field and until he improves, then we get him back again. That's going to do nobody any good. Yeah. I almost got the impression he was saying it with an empathetic slant like Jordan doesn't need the spotlight right now I don't think he was like discarding him and saying I never want to see this guy again he was just saying let's play cool for now and his co-presenter said well who do you who do you want instead and he said Willie Mack who's got like a last minute invitational to this he was like what a cool story to see how this guy goes sorry like Nobody cares about Willie Mack, really. Everybody's interested in Spieth. I want to see Spieth at his worst. Like some of my, you know, most vivid, vivid memories of the last number of years, Fiona, are like Tiger Woods with the chipping yips. You want to see the depths that you can go to in the game. I think like this is an unbelievable story golf has in its hands. Why would you not put this guy in the feature group? And there's also, and Peter may know far more about it than I would, but um, am I underestimating the effect of which being talked about or being in the feature group has on Jordan Spieth. I mean, like ever since he turned pro, the spotlight's been on him ever since that wonderful chip in to win the Puerto Rico Open that catapulted him into the kind of popular mind. But also as well is that he's young, he's articulate, he's a champion. Um, 
You know, I, I, um, I, is it me? That's what I mean. Am I underestimating the the degree to which Jordan Spieth has just been able to park undue attention? You know, like whether he's in the feature group or not, will it make a does it make a blind bit of difference to how he plays? I mean, he's just like if we are to to read the through line of exactly why it's just that like he he wanted to add length, so he started fidgeting with his swing, um, and it led to all kinds of problems that he can't seem to recover from, which worked on his confidence. So all of a sudden, that ironclad belief that he can get the ball in the hole mm. just seems to have disappeared. But is that anything to do with like outside attention? attention? I don't, like I really wouldn't think so because he knows he's yeah. been filmed in one way or another anyway. Yeah. I mean, look, my take as the viewer is this is a really simple formula. If Phil is playing, if Tiger's playing, if Speed is playing, if Rory is playing and a few others, put them in the feature group. If somebody else is doing very well, I'll catch them at the weekend. But give me the big yeah. guys front and centre and absolutely when they're stinking the joint out. That's almost in a way as compelling. Yeah. To- there is a... Um- Sorry, just to just to follow up on that, there is a couple of golfers out there who would be seriously peed off for not being in the feature group, having had a decent career. Um, I, I remember going back, oh, going back to the Scottish Open when it was first up in um, up top of top end of Scotland. Was it Castle Stewart? Castle Stewart is that the golf course up the top that they played the first Scottish Open on? Um, Thomas Bjorn having a, a fit pretty much at, at a players meeting because he wasn't put in the top group because Americans were over and the then tournament director put the Americans into the feature groups and not Thomas Bjorn he had a hissy fit over it mm-hmm. um, and so some players want to be in those feature groups um, and you know whether they're playing well or not they still want to be centre of attention but doesn't being in the feature group ultimately mean more dollars in your pocket because it means that your sponsors, you know, that you're more visible to an audience, therefore you can charge more to sponsors for carrying their product or their name on your yeah. gear. I mean, ultimately yeah. it comes down to you're trying to earn a living. And if you're not in the feature group or if you're not on television, then, you know, surely that's going to impact the bottom For line. sure. I would say TV minutes come into negotiations for sure. We've yeah. been in this many feature yeah. groups in our tournaments. Yeah. Rory McIlroy will always be in the feature group for the next uh, decade to two decades, I would think, very safely. So, uh, Tyrrell Hatton. Well, if Nick Doherty has anything to do with it. (laughs) Big fan. Uh, Tyrrell Hatton, winner in Abu Dhabi. Really impressive, we should say. Hatton's almost surprised at where he is now. Like he said, this feels a bit surreal. And he was talking about, you know, being up to fifth in the world. He's like, I really don't see myself as anything special. I'm just going about my business, doing my own thing. That's just the way I am, I guess. And That's Rory Star- 101, isn't it? Yeah, well, I mean, I, but I also look at Tyrrell Hatton at fifth in the world and go, geez, wow, boy's done good here, you know? He's an amazing golfer. Yeah, I, I kind of, I, I don't think I'd fully appreciated it maybe. But uh, he was one, it was, uh, one, McElroy was one shot leader going into Sunday, as people know by now, and Hatton shot the lights out, especially with his putter. And he ultimately won by five. Uh, McElroy level par for his round, Hatton with a 66. Uh, if you didn't see this, I mean, uh, like, we'll get on to Rory in a second, but certainly Hatton's putter was on fire. Like, he made a put on the ninth where he was really stealing one. And then on the 10th, it was crucial. Rory had an eagle put. Hatton had a 34-footer uh, for birdie. And the ball was really traveling. If it did not hit the hole, 
I think he was making bogey there. That would have been a two-shot difference. That was a dagger in McElroy's heart. And then McElroy made some other mistakes. And, you know, Hatton, he found a lot of middle of greens and then holds some big putts. Really, you know, you've got to say sensible Sunday under pressure, good golf. And when your putter's hot, you're going to do well. And he had won a little slice of fortune as well when he was on a par three with water and, and I, he wasn't going at the pin, but he, he effectively stitched it because he, he pushed it a touch. But uh, that was Tyrrell Hatton. Mm. Quite impressive, you have to say. I mean, uh, are we looking at major winner here? I wouldn't be so sure, although the way he coped with that pressure and the way he saw that win out would give you pause for thought. Major winner, are we talking, Peter? Um, I, I, I don't think so, to be honest. Uh, I, I find it very hard to see him if I was to name my best or my top five in the world, would Tyrrell Hatton be in us? No, he wouldn't. I think he's going through a purple patch um, in his career. Whether that'll continue on into a major, I'd very much doubt it. Hmm. Um, but Why there again, I've, I've proved wrong. He, there's nothing that he does exceptionally well. You know what I mean? He, he, he's a very good all-round player. You, you wouldn't call his swing um, something that you would replicate teaching, you know, young guys to come up. It, it's a very economical, good golf swing. Um, there's nothing flashy about us. There's nothing flashy about the way he plays. There's no, I, I don't see great charisma about the man. Um, you know, I'm not saying that I'm, I'm not his number one fan. I'm not really his number one not fan. His number one fan. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, but you know, he he's worked on his temperament as well, which is very good. His temperament used to be awful. Mm. He reminds me of a, um, a Richie Ramsey type player um, who will be, you know, in that kind of top twenty, um, but not a prolific winner. Um, and, and even though he's going through, as I said to you, through a purple patch at this moment in time, I don't see it last. Mm. Yeah. I, I, I'll defer to Peter's greater. It's always interesting when you hear an actual golf pro who's able to kind of look at a player and go, mm, does he have that X factor or, or not? I can't tell. I mean, I just look at the stats or I look at he seems all of the I mean he drives the ball well he, he's got length he's not the longest but he's got length his iron play is good now he had a hot putter definitely this week and um, and as you say the temperament he's obviously I mean even that he can like he's what did he when I can't remember when they made that angry golfers thing which I don't think is nearly as good as people are saying but it's just they're not very good actors. That's the problem. <laughs> I had a problem with the acting, says Fionn. Yeah, I, I actually did. It just felt... And also it was They're like, golfers, Fionn. They're golfers. I know, but it was five minutes too long. It was too long, like, yeah. It was way too long. Thing yeah. of, and all of these golf videos, it's they have the joke, which is good. Yeah. And then they just do it again and again and again. And it's how many different versions of the same joke. So if I was the director don't give me the director's cut I want you know anyway the punchy version give me the punchy version I thought I would have I would have if I was editing I would have left in Martin Keimer I thought that was a good moment that was brilliant that was my favourite part <laughs> that was the best. and also the Tyrrell Hatton you know the thumbs up and he did yeah. it at the end so Matt Wallace actually on Sunday missed a bad putt and he was furious and he was 
stomping his way off the green and over the 10 paces became slightly less furious and by the end looked at the camera and gave the thumbs up when you're feeling glum put up the thumb and i thought it was pretty good it was pretty good the idea of it is terrific and and it's actually great to see them incorporate like a bit of advertising for the european tour you know, into, yeah, I just thought it was fun. Anyway, but the point is, is that... You, use said, professional actors next time is your opinion. Or train them better. Just like, <laughs> like um, you, Can you Tommy emote Fleetwood. a bit more for us, Tyrell? Come on, give me something. I felt, I, I felt Tommy Fleetwood had to do a lot of the heavy lifting, and I'm not sure that Tommy has that in his... In his okay, in who's his your leading career. man? Who is the leading yeah. man to carry that? Well, Poulter wants to be the leading man, clearly. Mm-hmm. You know, I see they could have cut all of that passion, anger thing. Yeah. That wasn't funny. Or just all. do it once. Just do it once. Yeah. It was just like, ugh. But I, we, there's, there's room for a bonus part here where we really get into the weeds on this. <laughs> I know. But the point is, is that, look, look, lest we forget, Bobby Jones, the gentleman golfer of all time, started his career a rageaholic you know, hmm. and was like, had a ferocious temper. So look, if Bobby Jones can control his temper, and, and same goes for Roger Federer as a young player, terrible temper, slamming, you know, tennis rackets and throwing. And nowadays you look at him, he's the most even, you know, and for years and years and years, his whole USP is being the even tempered gentleman of, of hmm. men's tennis. So, hmm. so look, if, 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 if it can be for those two, why can't it be for Tyrrell Hatton? Um, yeah, I will say this though, and you, you, it's the put on ten. I mean, the put on nine was great from just off the fringe, great birdie put. But the put on ten. So this is the turn because also it's worth pointing out that, you know, Rory had two birdies early. You know, he'd set himself up nicely. You know, he mm. was motoring along lovely. On ten, gets on for eagle, and you're like thinking, okay, this is where Rory puts his foot in the gas. But the Two things happen, not just one. Hatton makes the putt, grabs the left edge, drops in. And as you say, had it not, it would have rolled on and left him a real dicey one for par. But then Rory, who has a similar length putt for Eagle from roughly the same spot. So he got a read, misses misses the hole by like 10 inches. I think he was really worried about overrunning it. But the point is, is that like, never threaten the whole like never and- but for, for me even in the context of Hatton making that put I still think the strategy for Rory is look Hatton has performed daylight robbery here but still I'm 29 feet from the hole and it runs viciously downhill after the hole the play here is to two put and make my birdie and I think that's what he did I don't think he tried to put that because to really go for it to put it high enough with enough pace you're running on six, seven, eight feet and if you miss that one back it's game over so I actually I, I on 10 I looked at that and said look Roy there's only so much you can do so I think the reason he missed uh, they, they, they didn't threaten the hole is because he made sure not to put too much pace on it and therefore the break took it away and I I said fair enough like where you and we can get into Rory a bit more you know he, his three put on four after the two birdies yeah, unforgivable the and then his bogey in 11 was really bad as well and then look he didn't have his driver so there's a, there's a wider context but if you're to go into each moment I feel I feel sorry birdie on a par five that's not where you lost it it might be where Hatton possibly won it and you really you know made him made it hard to stop him but I I totally give Rory a free pass on 10 Peter I don't know do you want to settle the debate um 
look, you hit it on a par five. What's the worst thing you can do is three putt, you know. So, you know, he, he from 29, 30 feet, are you really trying to hold us? Probably on that green, you're going up over a ridge. It's down left to right. You know what I mean? It was a tough putt. He gets it, taps it in. That's fine. Um, but all this talk about Rory for the week, I, I I was very surprised at it. If you look at his golf game throughout the week, and I actually watched a little bit of it. I watched some of his highlights on Saturday on YouTube when he shot 65. He he, he played poorly. He didn't play well. Hmm. He didn't play well at all in the week. And for people to criticize him for where he finished was remarkable. Yeah, Because I, he didn't I, have his A game with I him agree. at all. Yeah, I agree. He said, I felt like I was managing my game all week. This is a different conversation to the ones we had a lot last year. This is actually somebody managing their game first week out and using all their professional nous to take advantage when they had their brief moments of their game in working order. And I think you have to say that's an excellent uh, third even though, obviously, when you when you look when you when you start any Sunday one shot clear, you're definitely open to the accusations we were throwing his way uh, late last year. But I don't know, Fiona. It didn't feel like this is a uh, no. this is a, this is another one we're using against Rory. This is no, different no, 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 to no. the ones last year because last year when he was not converting, he was in good form. That really wasn't the case th- this week. So you can't kind of say, oh, he was going lovely and blew up when the pressure came on. I think it's an no, incredibly experienced performance to finish third. Sure, absolutely. The only point, just to kind of circle back a bit yeah. about, is that you have, for a pro golfer operating at the elite level, the idea that you more or less have the line of the putt from your opponent, hmm. I think should give you an advantage. I think he should have. I'm not saying he, he was going to make the putt, and I take all the points you're making about he wanted to avoid it running past. But at the same time, it's just like, it should have been a better putt. That would be my point. However... And, and it, it reminded me a bit. It's a bit like that the, the one on the second at Augusta that he missed for eagle, and it just kind of the, just the wind went out of his sails. Maybe with the three putt at four, he felt you know the putter is just kind of fighting me today a little bit. Who the hell knows? However, to your other point, you're absolutely right. This is not at all. Okay, first of all. He has finished in the top five in twelve of the last thirteen stagings of this event. Yeah. Like, like. That's an unbelievable run of form. Um, he's that's nine top five finishes, eight of them in the top three. It's like that's an astonishing. He's sorry. He started the season like unbelievably well, hmm. and so he didn't win. But oh my god, this is a guy who shows up like literally every year in the opening event of the season. Every single year, bar one. Yeah. And it's just like, that's phenomenal. That's yeah. a consistency that like, that's a consistency that no, that actually no one else seems to have. The same thing is, and in a sense, they make a rod for the poor lad's back because Nick Doherty and the commentary team just couldn't stop talking about Rory. And Tommy Fleetwood also had a really disappointing round. And Tommy Fleetwood is... You know, if there's any question mark over whether Tyrrell Hatton has the game to win a major, there is no question over whether Tommy Fleetwood has that game. Absolutely everybody believes that Tommy Fleetwood is good enough to contend, if not win a major. Hmm. So Tommy Fleetwood, who, what is he, won back going into the final round and just kind of, you know, just petered out, you know, what is he finished three over or whatever it was. It was just... So the fact that it wasn't perhaps the the foot to the pedal performance that all the Rory fans expected, but he still finished a creditable third. 
I think absolutely says nothing about the state of his game. Yeah. Other than just, isn't it disappointing that he didn't, you know, with the one stroke lead going in, that he didn't just shoot another 65 or 66 to win. Yeah. That's, yeah. It I feels very different to the Masters or exactly. this time last year. Peter, as to his game, the driving deserted him quite a bit across the week. He was blocking quite a few. Do you see anything else? Uh, no, not really. I, I just don't think, I don't think he played well all week. And I, I, I think he, he managed, as you said, his game well. His his miss was to the right, but it's around a golf course that he knows exceptionally well. He plays exceptionally well around that golf course. Um, and a lot of the fairways are funny in Abu Dhabi. It's, there's always a slight dogleg to them. So the long hitters can take it over the dogleg majority of the times. Yeah. The shorter hitters have to hit, kind of hit it up the fairway and shape it. And to be fair... Tyrrell Hatton to win around that golf course is exceptionally good because he isn't that long or it certainly isn't that carried that long off the tee. Hmm. But uh, um, in general, I would have said his game was, you know, McElroy's game was okay. It's a start to the season. Um, you know, if you can shoot 65, okay, he held a shot on 10 and, a, um, you know, his putter worked pretty well. Um you know, in that 65, you know, that's good. Um, so I, I can't understand the criticism, in, not by ourselves, but mm. through the press once he finished on Sunday was remarkable. Yeah, I think they got it wrong. I think a lot of people got it wrong this week. I don't think it was the right uh, judgment of McElroy. This was not three super hot days, everything in good working order and then implosion. And I think a casual view of it would lead you to that conclusion, but that's not what this week was. Uh, do you want to make time for the Tiger Woods doc? Just to mention one other thing. So we'll get a good look at Rory again. I mean, he's playing lots, seven and eight weeks. Torrey Pines, north and south course. South course, two and a half shots harder than the uh, north. US Open venue in June as well, which is kind of interesting. So an early prelude to that. Uh, Rory's with Kepka and Wolf. On Kepka, he has parted ways with Claude Harmon third. What was interesting about this, aside from the fact that he's parted ways with Claude Harmon, is that apparently he met him the Wednesday after the Masters last year when Dustin Johnson won and during that meeting he said look we're kind of done and he's released a statement saying I love Claude we had a great run he's still family to me but unfortunately we're not working together anymore and it just hit me we interviewed Claude Harmon on the Thursday after the Masters so he obviously wasn't going to tell us but he had the day before been dumped by Kepka. And, um, you know, the friend of the pod, Claude Harmon. Uh, oh, we're Team Claude on this one. In we this divorce, we are Team Claude. Claude. We are. Um, he wasn't shy and uh, certainly wasn't trying to pretend that, oh, you know, he makes it clear that he's very disappointed that he considered himself and the rest of them, Ricky Elliott and, and, and the team, a team. And, and he liked being part of that team. So I think he used the word devastating. To mm. describe the news, um, which I think speaks volumes about Claude Harmon's general honesty about things. I kind of, th uh, I kind of think in hindsight, if you're Kepka, let Claude enjoy the week Dustin wins the major. Like there's plenty of time to dump him. That's, that's not a bad point. I just don't know if on, on Wednesday you need to go and meet him and say, hey, isn't this, this has been such a fun week. Won the Masters. Must be great for you and your dad. By the way, we're cut. Well, is it also as well as is that like... Mm, um, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's a very good point. I hadn't considered it. It's almost two weeks later. Take the wind out of your sails. A little bit. Yeah, yeah. a little bit. Um, but Claude, like I thought Claude was very good. He, uh, 
you know what um he's an unbelievable player he describes a great champion extremely talented as devastating as it is to have it happen i'm so grateful for what he did for me and my family me ricky elliott mark wall the physical therapist the whole crew it was like we were a band of brothers that's hard not to be a part of he has to do what's best for his career and i know he'll be fine which is mm. both um gracious also not afraid to say that he's disappointed i'm team claude but you know it'd be interesting to see what brooks thinks he needs or or the direction that where he, he goes going now you know yeah because i guess i guess he'll he'll hang out with um pete cowan a good bit yeah oh yeah well, that's the rumor isn't it that he's that he's gone to pete cowan for the full game as well as the short game Okay. Well, that's a, isn't that a weird thing, Peter, to have like two very well-known coaches for different parts of your game? Or is that not? Uh, I've seen it in the past, to be honest okay. with you. Pete Cowan, as I said before, is very, very technical. Um, and his his way of the short game is, uh, I've said it before, is unbelievable. And the way he explains it and he explains how the club had uh, works through the ball um, and how to play different shots out of different lies is remarkable. Um, but right. then when it gets to the full swing, you know, if you're not that technically minded um, and, you know, you don't really want to be thinking too much about positions, then, they, um, you know, people switch to somebody else. Okay. Interesting. If you're interested, by the way, as an aside, there's a brilliant uh, on YouTube, Pete Cowan bunker lesson, and it will change your bunker play if you're struggling. The grip. Oh. I guarantee you, you've got the wrong grip. So that's there if you're uh, looking for that. So that's Kepka, and um, we'll see Darren what happens. Clark won. Yeah. Yeah. Won well. Back too. to back on the Champions Tour. You know, life is good. Bad. What's yeah. the prize money there for uh, three hundred and something thousand dollars? Is it? Yeah, for winning yeah. on the Champions Tour. That's fair. So six hundred grand made in the in the two tournaments. Yeah. Nice. Sixty four won two shots over Retief. Mm. Um, at the Mitsubishi Electric Championship and this is he he beat out Furick and Langer at the Timber Tech Championship in November which is the last time he played mm. that's that's not a bad couple of months work for old Darren you know he's got the talent got the talent 52 years old still got is he 52 that first five years if you're in good nick on the Champions Tour can be very lucrative yeah I'd say Colin Montgomery is somewhere going what happened where did it all go the Monday problem is he's trying to get into the tournaments yeah. that's the big thing why um, I know well, it's just very difficult. You just have to be the right person at the right time. They I know big, Paul Laurie is Paul Laurie is struggling terrible to get uh, any kind of invites into uh, oh, right. into any of the tournaments over there. They want big names. Like they'll take uh, Freddie Couples when he's ninety over Paul Laurie when he's fifty-two. Isn't that just the way it is? Yeah, very much so. Yeah. Right. And is there no way of playing your way on, like like in the PGA, where you just get your card and hold on to it? I think their tour school gives you either one or two cards um, and that's it out of 150 guys and those one or two spots are very, very difficult to get into every tournament because there's only a three-round tournament. There's no cut. They're limited the amount of players that can play each week. Gotcha. And then you have to go back to, you know, if you look down the players, once you're, um, that was the big thing with Monty about getting him into the Hall of Fame. Um, one of the criteria in the seniors tour in America is if you if you are in the Hall of Fame in golf, you're guaranteed to play every week if you want to. Wow. It's one of the, uh, um, you know, categories. Hall of Fame comes first. 
Just wait till that was, starts cleaning up on the Champions Tour. Yeah. Hmm. On that dumping a coach, I always remember David Ledbetter telling the story that Faldo dumped him via letter. Didn't actually speak to him after all the success and everything and it was a letter and Ledbetter said at the end he wished Ledbetter's family well and that was how he knew Faldo hadn't written it himself <laughs> oh my god <laughs> wow yeah. I don't know if that's true that comes with a health warning but um, much like uh, so the story went up with his first girlfriend by letter well nice segue okay so Armin Katayan actually uh, author of the Tiger book and executive producer of this HBO Tiger Woods documentary is going to be speaking to me later on we'll play it out and off the ball and obviously we'll podcast it here on uh, the Golf Weekly uh, subscription list as well so uh, uh, like these are very mixed reviews actually and uh, the prism through which I watched it was listening to loads of people slam it so I actually went in with very low expectations as a result and then found myself thinking this is far from terrible so uh, if you and you didn't have I suspect all those people in your ear telling you how bad this was before you watched it so give us no I did take us through it there'll be lots of people listening who've seen it and plenty who are uh, on their way to seeing it okay so first of all there has to be a health warning. So you have two episodes, an hour and a half, roughly each. It's almost impossible to document the rise, epic downfall, and eventual comeback of one of the greatest athletes of the last century. I mean, the unquestionable giant of modern golf. It's, it, and and one, uh, one of the great American athletes. It's very, very difficult. So the book that we've all read and enjoyed is dense. There's lots in it. And so the producers are forced to cherry pick what they think are the most televisual elements that work best as part of this documentary. The first episode, which can be basically seen as an attempt to disentangle the complicated relationship that Earl had with his son, Tiger. And it raises a lot of uncomfortable slash interesting questions about the extent to which Earl felt that his own unresolved dreams and hopes and ambitions would be realized by this remarkable son of his and the extent to which the son in that classic filial need to please the father and always want to do well by the father just devotes himself single-mindedly to trying to realize his father's ambitions for him. And, and, it, and it's, I mean, it starts, you know, he's on the Mike Douglas show. He's two years old in another, and, and, and there's some wonderful footage that I, I thought I'd seen every bit of Tiger footage. And there's some that I'd never seen before. Like he's interviewed by, it was a funny moment where he's interviewed by one TV host. He goes, so Tiger, do you like golf? Yes or no? And Tiger doesn't say anything. He goes, come on, kid. It's like my career depends on this. Do you like golf? Yes or no? And the, whatever, this two, three-year-old Tiger goes, I want to poo-poo, which I thought was both funny and also terribly pithy because it's like you have all these adults that are around this little boy and they're, they're already thinking, it's just like, is, you know, they're thinking thoughts that a two-year-old shouldn't be even close to thinking or to be involved in. Um, you know, and then some of the talking heads, like family friends, this guy Pete McDaniel and Joe Groman, even Steve Williams in the first episode are very good in, in that they give you a sense of perspective, the, particularly the father's friends and what life was like. So whatever good was in the documentary collapses for me entirely in the second episode, which 
I found the second episode to be just salacious and 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 it's not because I'm I have a fear I'm not prurient in the sense of that oh I'm, I'm I abhor the idea of like you know talking about the sex scandal or showing the extended footage of his arrest in Jupiter for when he was under the influence or any of that stuff it's just like what does this tell you um the the with the one exception of Rachel Ucatel who I think is incredibly badly treated anyway, like because if we're to understand it, she did actually have a relationship with Tiger. You know, I mean, it was while he was married to someone else, but it was still nonetheless a relationship. And um, but the other talking heads in the second episode are people who have had no contact with Tiger for 10 years and are trying to understand somebody that they that he's not in their lives. And Steve, whatever, whatever kind of, uh, credit Steve Williams accrued in the first one for me disappeared completely when he tells the story of how they stopped working together when he's like you know Tiger says he's going to take time off after the whole scandal so I got a call from my good friend Adam asking me to caddy for him so I rang Tiger and Tiger goes yeah go ahead and then it was it Mark Steinberg calls him and he goes you know Tiger's changed his mind and says like if you do caddy for Adam well then that's it we're done and Steve Williams then expresses this like kind of almost innocent surprise. And he goes, I mean, I understood that maybe our professional relate, but I didn't think our friendship would be over. I'm like, have you been watching this guy for the last 13 years? What did you think was going to happen? And it, what it does is it makes Steve Williams testimony really questionable. I just stopped believing him. You know, whereas in the first part, I kind of thought, yeah, you know, he was an eyewitness. You know, he stood next to the great athlete for a long time. So, you know, he, but I just felt and then they had like um, like and, and then they had like all, you know, some of the girls that Tiger Woods had hooked up with. And I found all of it just not credible. And as I said, salacious, but by far and away. For me, the worst of the worst was that guy, Neil Bolton, the, the guy who worked for the National Enquirer, who seems to think that he, he and, the, and, the, and the, the, the newspaper, the magazine that he worked for, bore no responsibility whatsoever in this filthy, salacious, terrible scandal that they ginned up to sell newspapers. Hmm. And, and like those tawdry little details that he relates in this weird kind of like distanced way was like I mean you know we filmed them in the car park having sex and 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 he goes we even picked up the discarded tampon and put it in a safe and you're like going like but Tiger brings all of this on himself and you're like you know what no way pal sorry no like and and so I found no insight in the second in the second episode but plenty of this tawdry salacious detail that really gives us Really nothing other than just a sense of like, ugh. it was also ugh. and uh, and then finally, the other thing is, is that I, I, I'd be curious as to what Armin Katayan thinks in that, like some of the really interesting stuff that's in the book just didn't get within an ass's roar of the documentary, like about his relationships with Omira, his relationships with the people that Omira introduced him to, the one, Joe, that you like, that's that story. Yeah. So anyway, so I found the first episode kind of vaguely interesting. And then the second episode was just, just thought it was garbage, frankly. So that would be mm. my summary. Interesting. Discuss. <laughs> well, there's a lot in that. There's a lot in that for yeah. sure. I'll try and go through it from memory and pick some bits. Okay. Steve Williams, I, 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 I thought was 
really interesting. And I thought the story of how Tiger sacked him told that way very clearly for kind of what felt like the first time that I remember was fascinating the way Steinberg did it and how initially Tiger gave Stevie Williams permission to play with Scott and then changed his mind and it's Steinberg who rings him up and says yeah if you do this you're cut and Williams didn't believe him and then the call came and he cut him and I thought he was I didn't think it was ludicrous for Williams to think that they might maintain some personal relationship he was best man at Williams's wedding and Williams isn't talking about dinner at the house. He's talking about courtesy on a golf course when they're in the same grouping. It's like he's never said a word to me again type thing. I thought that makes the cut for me. That's in. I've no problem with that. On as some of the characters overstepping their mark in terms of insight, totally agree. Like there was a point midway through the second episode where his first girlfriend is still on talking about the perils of fame. I thought like you're contribution is over here i mean you're you're i mean and your contribution by the way was fascinating and interesting and you provided some of the most memorable footage of the whole thing with tiger so fun loving and carefree and dancing and pretending to play the sax so like you know you were you were brilliant but i mean episode two you you if they're going to you as like someone to talk about the perils of fame and how it's affected tiger you know you're stretching it and that that was a problem that is a problem with the documentary is the quality of talking head i suppose for want of a better word like omira for sure you'd love the likes of an omira there how hurt were you when tiger didn't show up to your hall of fame um night and all that stuff look that's a problem like the right through there's nobody there who really can talk about playing against tiger there's nobody there who can give any insight into sharing a course with tiger or the locker room with tiger you know you don't have phil you don't have you don't have any golfer effectively so that it fall you know that that is an issue on the salacious aspect you know it's very interesting I think like the the documentary's biggest problem is that, and I've heard other people say this, so it's not a, a totally original thought, but I agree with it, is this needed to be six or seven episodes because they discard so much. And you have to cover the salacious aspect of this because it's so unbelievable. Like it's just the most dramatic story in sports history. And you have to give it, yeah, I think it is. I think it is. Like I'd forgotten loads about it. I Like I think the treatment they gave it was... Um, you could always lose stuff but I, I, I never found it boring and I thought it was uh, relevant like deeply embarrassing and horrible for Woods so like we'll come to how you feel how Woods should feel about all this in a second but just let's critique this as cold hearted you know what you want from a, a documentary as if Woods is never going to see this like you re like the, the footage is so extraordinary of him in the cell. I had never watched that full video oh, before. Oh, sorry of that. Uh, yeah, 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 sorry. But, I, but, I, but, yeah. but even, you know, I think that all has to be in there and look to a degree with some of the shots of Vegas and all that stuff, you just need wallpaper for the talking heads. You can't just, you know, you have to have show shots of Vegas and stuff on the, on the phone. But like what I would say is whether they intended this to be the case or not, and this is, this is where Woods can actually hold his head up high to some degree, whether they intended it or not, by digging into the salacious aspect of this, by showing the CCTV footage of the journalist grabbing that very personal item thrown from the Jeep. I'd never seen that footage before. I'd heard it had happened, but I'd never seen the footage. By showing the National Enquirer journalist, uh, whatever his name was. Neil Bolton. Neil Bolton. By showing Jay Leno 
cutting to here's how many mistresses Tiger Woods has now and the the set piece prop with the numbers going up and up by showing Jimmy Fallon making fun of Tiger the same Jimmy Fallon who like tickles Donald Trump's belly years later when he's running for office (laughs) it exposes the grotesqueness of the chasing mob now I don't know if that was their intention or not but when you see that mob going about their business in the most disgusting way imaginable and there's delight in the National Enquirer uh, guy's voice like there's delight like he's like this is just America at its best kind of thing this was just great stuff it actually compared to what Tiger has done which are human foibles and human failings you come away going, well, I actually kind of think a lot less of you lot than Tiger out of all this, actually. And that was, that was, that was really interesting to have the scumminess of the mob and the media laid bare. And like, in some ways, the lasting memory is like, well, look, I, Tiger was in, you know, and, and they get into the fact that a lot of Tiger's behavior was compulsive as opposed to enjoyable. I would think he was just in a bad place. And you come away going, well, look, this is someone who's had a very human failing and you've gone through the upbringing and I understand why. So I can kind of, you know, who am I to judge anyone, you know, uh, judge like yeah. my thoughts, my actions. I, I, I don't want them scrutinized the way Tigers are. And yet the, the mob is laid bare. And so funny enough, I, I didn't come away to conclude thinking, what, you know, God, um, Tiger, that you know, we saw some scummy sides of Tiger. I came away kind of thinking, well, actually, and this documentary is part of it, yes, you know, which is really interesting. Um, I came away thinking, look at the scrutiny and the depths we're going when we're, we're digging around this guy's life, and it's it's disgraceful. Uh, and that so in in a way, it kind of uh, just held a mirror up to itself, which was an interesting part of the Woods story. Well, that, that I absolutely agree with everything you said. I mean, perhaps one of the more telling moments of the whole piece was uh, the aforementioned Rachel Lucatel, who was the woman that he'd been having this prolonged affair with and who, when it was all over and when the whole thing burst open at the Australian Masters, that she didn't hear from Tiger for a while and then gets a call from him saying, I can't, that's it. It's over. The lawyers will be in touch. Yeah. for a settlement. Get everything you can. Get everything you can. And she interprets that as that's how much he loved me. Now, mm. there's something terribly sad about that. There's something very poignant about it. There's also something very, the commerce of fame about it all. Because ultimately, and that the point you made, I agree with entirely, is this idea is that rather than a documentary that seeks to understand or critique or analyze or interpret this disgusting media scrum that 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 really kind of that hunted this man down and tried to kind of expose every human foible he had this documentary is very much a part of it and and it's worth bearing in mind is is that like how times have changed sure but like say magic johnson who was you know before michael jordan magic johnson was the greatest basketball player in america michael magic johnson who in the 90s announces that he is hiv positive But then on the back of it, admits it, he goes, you know, because he, by his own calculation, has slept with over 10,000 women. And at the time, you know, I mean, I realized that 25 years have passed and we are living in markedly more moralistic and Puritan times in many respects. Yeah. But the idea that somehow Tiger Woods, who 
is a bad husband and ends up, as you say, and I like, the, I like Joe, and I think that's an important point. It seems less enjoyable and more compulsive behavior. Um, again, and we're judging this from what? From a far distance. But, yeah. but that nonetheless, is that like, you know, it's like, and, and when they show the footage of Tiger who shows up in Vegas with Michael Jordan and Charles Barkley, who are clearly well-practiced in the art of how to perform in these Vegas clubs with the table girls and the service and the, you know, the champagne. And Tiger Woods is like the nerd who, who is like, I don't know what to say to these girls. And Michael Jordan goes, just tell them you're Tiger Woods. Yeah. So right there, I think we're proving the point. There's still lots in this documentary. Like, I think yeah. it's been over-criticized and there's still fascinating things. For instance, the apology, the amazing apology. It was the first time I had seen the apology from, from Tiger's vantage point, as in, I mean that literally, where they showed the crowd. And what was so unbelievably interesting about that was none of them were looking at Tiger as he apologized. They couldn't bring themselves to do it. Not because they thought he was a disgrace because they were just so embarrassed to be there. It was the most awkward room in history ever. I thought that was really good. And um, before you I, are my friends and you're all like 30 years older than me. Yeah. Can I give you, so I've defended it a bit. Can I give you my, 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 my flaws with it? And then Peter, I'd love your, I'd love to know Peter why you kind of flicked off. Be interesting as well. Uh, the flaws with it are absolutely, you know, they're, they're everywhere for sure. It's too short. The biggest disappointment for me is the book gave us a feel for Tiger the person, uh, the alleged meanness the um, just the, the casual rudeness is what I took from the book more than anything. In the documentary, I have no feel for Tiger the person for some reason. They, they play too much of Tiger's interviews to get Tiger's voice on it. But the interviews are pointless. What, like the book had no interviews that Tiger gave like after rounds or, you know, at, at some a promotional event. The, the documentary was too full of Tiger saying banal things to the media. There was no need for that. Whereas the book, you got such a feel for Tiger's private interactions and the documentary, uh-uh. And one of the, like, the big questions is, Tiger a nicer person now? And the documentary didn't address that at all. For me, that's the biggest critique of the documentary. Everybody's interested in who is the real Tiger Woods, and that wasn't addressed beyond the scandal, as in the fact that he you know, was sleeping with women. That was like day-to-day, away from the, 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 the sleeping around situation. Um, who was he? And the documentary doesn't do that. The other thing um, is that the golf side of this is just so underserved. It's, it's chronic. It's, it's really terrible if you're interested in Woods the Golfer. They touch on the yips. They touch on some stuff like that. But I mean, uh, Woods the Golfer, you don't get into it. Uh, there's a point in St. Andrews where he's, hit, he's, he's, he's hitting a wedge of his second shot onto the green and they make a driver sound. And you're like, come on. And then even the out of sequence uh, master shots. Like you want to, there was an interesting point I thought on that where they showed uh, Phil and Tiger, I think it was 04. And they showed uh, Tiger holding the big putt on 13 uh, where he hit his three wood and Phil hit driver and and Woods went longer than Phil with his three wood. And Phil turned around to uh, Woods and said, geez, you always hit your three wood that far? And Woods said, oh, often further. And the, the narrative was this demoralized Phil this demoralized Phil and then they cut to Phil slicing one but it's on the 10th and you're like any golf fan knows worth his or her salt is going to know you've taken 13 as the story where you demoralized Phil and then shown Phil on the 10th making a mistake and tried to patch this together as this is how it went and it so clearly didn't so then I'm kind of thinking what else have you patched together here like if I can't have absolute trust in the, in the narration of this thing then there's question marks all over the place when you're already dealing with some really contentious material and you've already like blatantly ignored some basic 
facts and, and you've been exposed in that with the golf. So I didn't like that. Peter Laurie, you're listening to us. Are you inclined to watch the rest I, of this I, thing? I, 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 I suppose on a personal point of view, I, I'll watch the end of it and see what it has to offer me. Um, but it made me very sad, I have to admit, the very start of it, um, how such a young child was brought up into a just a cocoon of of golf and golf and nothing else. And then watching his father, um, you know, behave in a way that's, you know, your own. You, if you look at your own father and you'd be shocked at you know, if your dad was taking something, you know, some, it'd have to be a young girl or whatever into the Winnebago, you know, where they were practicing and, and having his merry way. And, and there you're out practicing while the dad's in there. You, you just have to look at it and go, you know, how did Tiger not turn out this way? Yeah. Yeah. You know? Um, and isn't, isn't that though, like to be fair to the, to, to the documentary, I think in some of the critique, people are, are saying, oh no, it's it's not a good documentary because the stuff is so terrible. But like, if that's what happened, that's what happened. And it's the, to the documentary's credit that they went there and yeah. they, they, you know, this is the truth. And it's a really uncomfortable, tough truth. I may, you know, and for some people, it's like, but, this is this is just too much of an invasion of the man's privacy. And I look, that's an interesting question. So if it was this day and age, um, you know, people would, if, if a child was being brought up that way, there would be certain questions asked yeah. about, you know, uh, letting a child see what a father is up to and, and creating a, a kind of world that is, you know, they've banned right now uh, fathers caddying for their sons. They've banned, you know, a lot of, fathers and mothers from being on the touchline in a football match shouting and screaming at their kids. Yeah. You know, it's, it's all meant to be encouragement now rather than, you know, you didn't do it this way and, and, and very hard and, 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 and tough on their kids. Yeah. Um, so we have to look at it that way. But also, you know, he has to hold up his hands and, and say what a horrible swine he was, you know, for the behavior that he did to his own wife and kids um, through through his career. Um, now, he could have been the best dad in the world, you know, making up for his own father with his own children. But hence, you know, he, he, he wasn't loyal to his family. He wasn't loyal to his wife. Um, but is there reasons behind this? Uh, yeah, absolutely. But is there other is there other people in society or other golfers or other sports people who have carried on like this? Yes, there has. Yeah. And have they had the scrutiny in their lives that Tiger Woods has had? No, they haven't. Because, yeah. you know, I, I could guarantee you that there's, there's other people out there which probably have even bigger stories than this that will never be seen. Um, and, you know, nobody likes... Uh, I, I certainly... I didn't like it. I didn't. I didn't like watching it. I don't like that. A um, you, you felt. Am I sensing, Peter? You feel it was too invasive. This stuff is just too private. Yes, I think so. It doesn't need to be aired. People don't really need to know it. You know, it's it's a fact that I, I hate watching these a uh, um, these shows that are all about you know reality TV. I hate watching those things, um, and and that's what it's looked to me like. 
you know it's, i think it's, peter that's a good point the reality tv element because there is an old adage that all biography is fiction and you know so even though you're looking at video of things like you can convince yourself oh that's how it was and mm. you know relationships are far more nuanced more complex more difficult more contradictory you don't know i mean i generally agree that the that it raises uncomfortable questions about you know what a father wants from his son um and how he goes about kind of pushing his son towards that thing but like you know obviously this would all be a moot point if his son didn't turn out to be the greatest golfer of all time but like um i, I you know but then like having said that it's like again it goes back to this it's like like what are the you know what are the terrible things like what are the like you know what I mean this these are men who cheated on their wives like I'm not I know I keep repeating myself but like it happens it happens a lot yeah Steinberg has been out they obviously haven't liked it for obvious reasons uh, they've described it as another unauthorized and salacious outsider attempt to paint an incomplete portrait of one of the greatest athletes of all time. So they're not impressed. It's interesting, the likes of uh, even Harrington and Colin Marukawa all saying they're not going to be watching it. You know, they're like, look, I know Tiger is and the other stuff happened. Uh, Marukawa was saying that more so than uh, Harrington. The other stuff happened. They're facts. We know all about it. But unless Tiger's narrating it, I'm not that interested. Uh, so I, so what are we saying about it? Like there, there, I, I, if I was to boil down, what I'm saying is needs to be longer. Therefore the salacious part, which probably unfortunately does need to be covered, doesn't feel as dominant because at the moment in percentage of the time, it's too dominant. And yet there wasn't much you might chop off it either. So it just needed to be longer. The golf was undercovered. Woods as a person was undercovered and Dun, 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 dun. Then it comes. Then then it comes down to your 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 tolerance. I think for a man's right to privacy or a man's right to say, "Look, has this not been dealt with twenty gazillion times over?" And that's a, it's. A, I, I watched it, and uh, now talking about it, I feel like, oh God, I feel I feel bad for him. You know, I I do. It's 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 so embarrassing. It's so awful. It was so serious. And uh, to become a spectacle like this on HBO and to have all these uh, people who don't really know him chiming in with these very, very kind of uh, personal uh, Imagine di- being di- diagno- diagnosis of what's going on. Yeah, like you got it. You know, you yeah. think Imagine of all that Imagine being a son or daughter I know. Who, 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 who is in school and their kids and the local, you know, their, their, their clients are... Are, are not clients. They're um, you know uh, f- fellow pupils are watching this yeah. about their father. You, How about? It's I just, know it's, it's just shocking. No, it's it's really rough. It is. I um, think also. Sorry, I was I was just going to say like at least the book you had to be of a certain age to read the book and you know you had to give it your time whereas it's very easy for everyone to watch TV even if they're not old enough to be uh, watching it I mean you could imagine people might be texting in or thinking well look public figure uh, made probably uh, hundreds of millions in advertisements by pushing this uh, you know version of himself forward so when that's not true should you be held to account possibly but it's like to what extent to what extent do you get held to account it's a side of fame like you know for all of the benefits of although it's interesting there is a beautiful moment where he's with that young boy and all the adulation and the boy turns around and goes I guess you're used to this and he goes 
no, you never get used to this. That was great. And you know, when, when I made the point, when I made the point about too much footage of Woods just giving banal interviews, what the documentary should have dug out was more of that stuff. More of that. The more, the snippets, like the, the 10 seconds when the camera's running before the interview starts and someone's uncomfortable yeah. or, you know, just those little bits, whereas we got a lot of stuff that's in the public domain anyway. Maybe that stuff's not there with Woods. Maybe that's, no. maybe those little bits aren't there as much. There's also the issue that one, is Tiger still active? And two is, is that the documentary is invariably going to be compared badly to The Last Dance. Um, yeah. not just in terms of length, but also what was interesting is that with The Last Dance is you kind of got a good version of both worlds. So because Jordan had, you know, had hand acting part in every element of it. So he, you know, he was the one who allowed for, but the talking heads are great. Jordan talking about himself is really interesting. And even though it doesn't maybe go as deep into like Jordan's personal yeah. or his gambling issues or whatever, as perhaps critics would have liked. Jo- in a weird way, Jordan is is kind of arrogant and narcissistic enough to allow for a huge amount of discussion about that stuff. And yeah. he goes, it doesn't impact on my greatness at all. I'm still, you know, as he sits there with a tumbler of whiskey and yellow eyes, kind of, but, but jo- it's the lack of tiger is, is a massive problem with the thing although you'd wager that you would never get no the jordan version of tiger with no. tiger if you know what i mean no. so ultimately yeah i just think it's 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 a disappointing um it's a disappointing documentary for all the reasons that we've out yeah yeah like i, I think if you're going to go that deep into the nasty stuff then i think you owe it to your subject to go big as well on the greatness. And they didn't really do that. So, yeah, I don't know. I still, I think we're still waiting for the definitive one. Certainly as a golf fan, I felt like, oh, come on. You know, there's so many things you can do with footage that you couldn't do in the book when it comes to his golf. And that was an afterthought. The golf was, the golf was an afterthought. It felt to me far too much. There's like interesting ones. It's like there's no like none of the rivalries are done. Like I mean, they, they I think in the first episode they barely touch on the rivalry with Mickelson and yeah. and the fact that Tita called him hefty rather than lefty. But like say for example, again with the last dances, the great rivalry between Jordan and Isaiah Thomas, and it's for grown-ups, you know. They talk about it in grown-up terms. It's like, I hate that mother, you know. Hmm. And and there's a real sense of, like, resentments that still linger on, like, 20 years later. And hmm. and the documentary is all the better for that because it's not trying to polish. It's not trying to polish over much. Yeah. Um, despite a, the fact that Jordan had last word on everything that was in it. Yeah. You know? It's just, a, it, that, but, like, it's, it's so, in, in, in fairness to the documentary's on, makers on that front what do you do when nobody involved will That's participate it. you do the best like, you can if you had tiger and you had phil that could have been an unbelievable arc Ugh. from adversity and, and hatred well dislike anyway through to now being pretty good friends could have been fascinating but when you don't have phil when you don't have tiger it's like ugh, like what, what's the point and how do we do that and is it that important when we've only got two parts and three hours to do this whole thing probably not so it goes by the wayside I thought that I can't remember her name, so I, I hope if, if uh, forgive me for not getting it right. But the one that's portrayed as friend, the the oh yeah, I'm like I'm like, and what do you like? 
How close a friendship was it is what I was just thinking the whole time. Exactly. You're like going, really? Yeah. Like what? Yeah. You know, it's like friend. And then, and then Neil, Neil Bolton, just like, it's like, what, what are you doing? But it's, Neil is useful because he holds up the hardness of the mob. Yeah, well, I think that was okay. He, yeah. Although, mind you, he does that with a dicky bow and a certain amount exactly. of kind of gallant kind of whatever. Yeah, the lack of self-awareness almost. Oh, shocking. So, uh, look, I'd be curious. I think we've, we kind of scratched the surface there. There's, there's still loads in it. I think people will still find it incredibly interesting. If you haven't read the book and you're not a book reader, then you really, I mean, there's stuff in this that you just will not know and it'll blow your mind. It's just, it's uncomfortable. I don't think you feel great. I think you feel a bit like a rubbernecker after watching it. You know, I, I, even talking about it, you feel like, oh man. Mm. This is just so none of my business. Um, with each passing year, I feel more and more about that, like that about the Tiger Woods thing. None of my business increasingly. And yet it's really something we've talked about every month for 10 years. Uh, I guess we wrap things up, will we? Tory Pine's going to be interesting. We'll look back on it next week. Let's see how they all go. Uh, Peter, at Spawell, hopefully open for business on the 5th of March. Sharp. We'll talk to you later. Touch wood. Touch wood. Touch Thanks wood. very much, Joe. Fionn. Fionn, good man. Check out Fionn's Thanks, piece guys. in The Guardian, everyone. The Guardian. That's uh, <laughs> that's just the level he rolls at now. Uh, very good piece, Fionn, in The Guardian. Good man. Thank you, Joe. Thank All right, guys. We will talk next week. The OTB Podcast Network. With Green Farm on the go. Snack smart with 100% natural protein-powered chicken bites. 